This is a guest speaker presentation for the Brisbane Climathon 2016, featuring Associate Professor Michael Howes from Griffith University. All right, well, um, first of all, um, hello, my name is Michael Howes. I'm from Griffith University, so we've got a different logo up there now. Um, you've seen QUT all after doing so. I thought we'd give ours a plug, you know. Um, look, thank you all for coming. It's really good to see so many people willing to give up their Saturday to come out to an event like this. And uh, thank you to all the organisers and QUT for hosting. Um, it's been a really terrific event. Now, I was really fascinated to sit there and listen to your ideas because I wrote this yesterday afternoon not knowing what you were going to say. So it's interesting because a lot of things I'm going to talk about are the things you've talked about. Now, one thing I want to talk about is southeast Queensland. And the reason for that is Brisbane isn't really Brisbane. If you think about it, there are people living up on the Sunshine Coast. There are people like me living down on the Gold Coast. There are people uh, living inland who commute into Brisbane every day to um, work or to meet with people. And there are people in Brisbane that on weekends will come down and visit me on the Gold Coast to enjoy our wonderful beaches. So really, when we talk about making Brisbane uh, resilient to climate change, we've got to talk about southeast Queensland because um, there's a lot of satellite cities and towns that are linked to this city. So I'm going to talk about um, planning for climate change in southeast Queensland. Now the reason why I'm using the term planning is that if you think about all the things you've talked about, the one thread that runs through them all is planning. How are we going to plan for the impacts that have come? How are we going to plan to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions? How are we going to plan for the kind of physical infrastructure we need? How are we going to plan for the socio-economic support networks that we need? So let's start off and look at um, greenhouse gas emissions from Queensland. Uh, and this comes from the Department of Environment and Heritage Protection, and it only came out a few weeks ago. This is our historical emissions from 1990 up to 2013. And as you can see, generally, they've been rising. Now, the biggest one, as you would expect, is down here is electricity and direct combustion. But it has kind of leveled off, OK? The thing that's jumping around a lot is from uh, land use, land use change, and forestry. And you can see here, we started to get a decline. That's when we had what was called land clearing restrictions, OK? Here is when we had a change of government and land clearing restrictions were lifted. And what happened? We started clearing a lot more trees and our emissions started going up again. At this moment, there is a bill in Parliament that's been stalled to reintroduce those land clearing uh, regulations, restrictions. Uh, and it's been stalled, it's been knocked back, and so there's going to be a battle over whether it gets through again or not. And it's important because of that. Um, so traditionally, uh, energy's been the big one, land use has been a big one, Agriculture's been a big emitter, uh, and then we've got a few other things in there as well. These carbon pollution projections were released only a few weeks ago. You can go and get it from the Department of Environment and Heritage Protection website. If you look at the future, this is a bit blurry, sorry, you can see that our emissions are going to keep on climbing, uh, but slow down a bit as we go. That's despite the fact we're going to have significant population growth in the next 20 to 30 years. So... What are we going to do about it? This is the draft climate change in southeast Queensland region 
plan that has been again put forward by the Department of Heritage and Environment Protection. Now, if you look at our past, Southeast Queensland has grown quite rapidly in terms of population. We are now about 3.3, 3.4 million people in this region. Now, if you were to go back to 1974 when there was that big flooding event, the Gold Coast where I lived had only 88,000 people. Now it has 550,000 people. Some of you may remember um, the Brisbane floods. It's been mentioned a few times. Uh, happened in 2011, 4.5-metre uh, flood levy, 19,700 homes affected, 35 people died. If we had that equivalent flood down the Gold Coast, we have about 250,000 homes. 120,000 of those would be underwater. Six times the disaster that we had here in Brisbane. So these are the kinds of issues that we're facing. Some of you may even remember that we had this thing called the Millennium Drought from 2001 to 2010. Um, we didn't have rainfall because there were a couple of El Ninos. We talked about those earlier in rapid succession in that decade. Every capital city in Australia was on water restrictions. One of the positive things that came out of that was that we went from using about 320, uh, 340 litres per person per day of water to about using about 130 litres of water per person per day. And you know what? We still had a great lifestyle. Some things even got better. As a matter of principle, I have not washed our car since then. <laughs> I'm not kidding, I haven't. And you know, you know, I studiously every weekend sit at home in front of the TV with a beer not washing the car and saving water. You can do the same. Okay. I just leave it out in the rain. And it, it does, it gets washed if you just leave it out in the rain. Okay, so a lot of people did that kind of stuff. They, they, they stopped hosing down their pathways and things like that. They put in rainwater tanks. They put in low-flow shower heads and things like that. Had shorter showers. We also have a problem with um, major storms and coastal erosion. Uh, this is a picture from News Limited, 2013, on the Gold Coast, where I live. You can see the erosion. Um, the Gold Coast uh, tourism is a big part of our economy. And the beaches add something like 6 or $7 million a year because people just like to go lie on the beach. So if those beaches get eroded, um, we have a problem. And in fact, we're so concerned about it, our local council trucks sand back in to rebuild the beaches as quickly as possible to make sure that we have those tourists. Now, this is happening every second year now. We're getting this kind of erosion. So that's our past. That's where we are now. What's going to happen in future? Well, if you had read this document you would find the same sorts of things that you've been talking about today. If we take the worst case scenario, the modelling for the highest uh, level of greenhouse gas emissions over time, by 2070, in our region, we could be looking between 1.9 degrees and 3.3 degrees centigrade higher. Now, we want to keep the temperature rise below 2 degrees centigrade and hopefully below 1.5 degrees centigrade to avoid feedback mechanisms kicking in, which is going to give us runaway global warming at a global level. But at a local level, we also want to keep it low because of all the things you've heard about today, what happens when the temperature goes up, increasing mortality, increasing stress and so forth. We're going to have more hot days and heat waves. We're going to have a higher fire risk and a higher drought risk. The variability of rainfall is going to change. So we're going to have long dry periods and then really heavy deluges. So we're going to get flooding. Uh, so more heavy rainfall events, increased risk of flooding. Now, the last assessment report by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change said 
we're probably looking at about an 80 centimetre sea level rise by 2100. Okay. But recent research has suggested that is a very, very conservative estimate. Uh, in our planning rules, we're, talking, we're planning for an 80 centimetre uh, sea level rise. It's probably going to be over a metre. And some research is suggesting it could be up to two metres. So you imagine in Brisbane, you see here all the, where um, all the, the waters come in, it's all dirty brown. It's in, you know, instead of being four and a half metres, we add another metre to that, five and a half metres. Imagine how many extra homes are going to be flooded by that. That's the kind of problems we face. And we're going to have an ongoing problem with coastal erosion. So we know we're emitting lots of greenhouse gases and we know where they're coming from and we know we're vulnerable to the impacts of climate change. Now, I want to tell you something. All the ideas you've come up to with today, you can do something with. In the last week, the Queensland Government has released the latest draft of the South East Queensland Regional Plan. Climate change is mentioned in it several times. They're now calling for submissions on the plan. So you can go to uh, the Queensland Department of Infrastructure, Local Government and Planning website, or you can just simply Google South East Queensland Regional Plan, and it will tell you how you can go about putting in a submission. It doesn't have to be a long thing. It can be as short as an email. You can just put in your idea and say, hey, why don't you develop an app to do this? Or why don't you build um, a smart levy to do that? Or all of the ideas that we've talked about today. You can have an impact because if you put those in and they get picked up, that goes into the regional plan. That means we start getting things done. So think about actually doing something with the ideas you've generated today. Put them into this. Now, we've got currently a population of 3.3 million. Within 20 to 30 years, we're going to have a population of about 6 million. We're almost going to double, all right? That's a lot more people. That's a lot more homes that are vulnerable. And that's a lot more um, greenhouse gas emissions going to come out unless we start to reduce uh, our emissions significantly. So we need to, one, mitigate by reducing our greenhouse gas emissions to avoid the worst impacts of climate change. And then we need to adapt um, by increasing our resilience by doing the sorts of things you're talking about. Now, in the plan, it basically says with greenhouse... Uh, sorry, with climate change, five different strategies, reduce greenhouse gas emissions um, by adopting patterns of urban development that reduce the need for distance travelled and time and encourages the use of active public transport. Build things close together so people can walk. Build things uh, around a good public transport system so they can catch the bus or the train. I came up here this morning from the Gold Coast, right? And I had a choice. Do I drive or do I get the train? If I get the train, it takes me about 40 minutes longer. That meant I had to get up about 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm not an early riser. Uh, but to get up here by 9 o'clock, that's what I had to do. I did that in the end, and it was actually quite nice. I sat on the train and listened to music. Um, so it's actually quite a nice thing to do. But if you can put up with the inconvenience of taking a bit longer, um, taking that public transport. So if we plan our cities better, if we had better public transport, if we had transport-oriented developments, people wouldn't have to travel as much. If we had a good... Um, really good high-speed broadband network, people could telecommute. They could work from home. Uh, they could have meetings. Uh, and we've started to do that with our university now, and I'm sure QUT is doing the same. Uh, we've set up video conferencing centres. We've got video phones. So we don't have to travel between our five campuses all the time. We can have meetings online with people. Incorporate uh, 
affordable renewable energy, low emissions technology, and energy efficiency measures into the planning and development of communities, buildings, and transport systems. You've all been talking about those things today. Designing your buildings better, designing your transport better. Suggest local strategies that contribute to the region's transition to a low carbon future and implement effective climate change adaptation measures. Pretty short sentence for a pretty big ask. There's a lot in there that you've got to do. I mean, yeah, let's just uh, implement effective climate change adaptation measures. Sure. Like what? Okay, that's the kind of things you guys have been talking about. That's the kind of things they need to hear. Um, enhance resilience and capacity of natural assets to adapt to climate change and buffer people, infrastructure and biodiversity from the impact of extreme weather events. So as I was going around the groups today, I heard people talking about infrastructure. I heard them talking uh, about um, people. And now and again I was throwing in the idea of biodiversity. You see, as the climate changes, the habitat changes and the, and the species that rely on that habitat um, start to diminish. So we need to do something about that. Use disaster risk management, planning, adaptation strategies and avoidance to ex to, uh, of exposure to high-risk areas to minimise SEQ's vulnerability to climate change impacts. So you've talked about disaster risk management and the apps that you've talked about, you know, warning people, getting information so you can act and do something. So, if you want something really positive and concrete to come out today that might actually be put into practice by government, put in a submission, you've got a couple of months to do it, go to the Department of Infrastructure Local Government and Planning website or Google Southeast Queensland Regional Plan and look at, find out the details about how you go about it. It's really simple, you can just do it as an email. So, the question is, how can we plan for both mitigation and adaptation in Southeast Queensland. That's what we've been wrestling with today. Uh, and I say there's two hints here that I, I get you to think about. First of all, don't just think about the biophysical thing. Don't just think about building levees. Yes, that's important. Don't just think about floating houses. Yes, that's important. Don't just think about houses that are going to be more resistant to storms. You've also got to think about the socioeconomic stuff. What's going to happen to the old people in your street if a bushfire is coming towards it? Who's going to help them get out? Establish, establishing the sort of networks of, of support is really important. And secondly, think about all sectors of our society because they all have to adapt, they all have to mitigate. Whether it's mining, energy, agriculture, forestry, fishing, manufacturing, tourism, hospitality, retail, entertainment, recreation, transport, housing, water sewage, communications, health or education. We all have to do something. And I'm sure QUT is doing the same. We're, uh, we're tackling this uh, at Griffith to reduce our emissions, we're replanting areas, uh, we're drying all sorts of things, we're recycling water, uh, we're, we're changing the way we, we deal with waste, um, and, and most universities are. Schools are doing it as well, having community gardens. And finally, just a, a cheeky little plug, for um, the Griffith Climate Change Response Program, which I'm a part of, it coordinates research across uh, the university. There is actually a symposium coming up uh, at the end of November, uh, if you want to just uh, Google it, you'll find. And it's about sustainability and climate change and entrepreneurship. Uh, and this centre is, uh, uh, is, is part of the sponsor of that. So um, please go have a look and see if you want to come along to that. Right. That's me. Thank you.